Welcome to Piston Rings and Card Things. I want to start off this episode by thanking all of our listeners for all the support and all the ideas for our future episodes. Uh, but for this episode, you can expect us to discuss maintenance and everything relating to it. I want to start this off by saying that there are a lot of dangerous cars out there. Like, sometimes I scroll through Reddit and I see these cars that are, like, completely rusted through on the bottom. The only thing that's really holding it together is the drive shaft and a couple of sticks of wood and duct tape. Or even the cars with bald tires. Nobody ever really pays attention to their cars. Nobody does preventative maintenance. Especially in the Northeast with our lovely salt and, our, uh, and salty roads and winters and everything sticks of wood sticks of wood planks planks never i can't say i've ever seen that one before yeah i don't think i've ever I seen it <laughs> i've seen i've seen a like an econoline van held together with like well two they, so this is not the whole maintenance thing but they formed they made a long wheelbase econoline van and they just you remember this it was, yes i, I do I, it was like five years ago or something and they just had it held together with like cardboard and shit. Yeah, it's it's people are uh, something people else. Are, people are I mean, uh, how do you say resourceful? <laughs> hoods and trunks strapped down with ratchet straps or bungee cords. Yeah, it seems like the going trend is to just ride your tires down to the cords and then be like, oh shit, now I need tires. Yeah, the, right. there was somebody that I knew that used Cat 6 cable. No, sorry, at the time it was Cat 5 cable to hold down a couch to the roof of their car while driving on the highway. Uh... <laughs> at least you know that couch had good internet connection. <laughs> I mean, but like, what's, what's safer, that or a roof box suction cup to a car? Roof box suction cup to a car because the suction cups are rated for higher speeds. Yeah, they are marine grade, but um, Cat Five is rated for high speeds, just not the speeds that they're taught that that they were, you know, using not road speeds (laughs) exactly. Yeah, so the ball tires, people like you know when you're in traffic and you just hear somebody's brakes screaming for their life. Oh my god, you can hear from like half a mile down, like yeah, you can hear it coming up behind you. Like you hear you hear those brakes coming up behind you, and you're like, you know. I might get rear-ended tonight. You know, I'd rather yeah. take this red light ticket than actually get rear-ended. <laughs> yeah, I've done that before. Was it necessary? Probably not, but I don't want to get rear-ended. Let's Again. talk about winter maintenance specifically. So okay, coming yeah. up on that. Winter maintenance. Point. Get tires. Get wiper blades. <laughs> washer fluid. Washer Correct fluid. washer fluid. Winter fluid so you don't freeze up your damn lines. Make Top sure up your, your coolant. Coolant is good. Coolant. Yes, Kool-Aid man. <laughs> All right, listen. Um, <laughs> also, for for front-wheel drive cars in the winter, stop flooring it up hills and just spinning <laughs> one tire. <laughs> it was like I think one of my professors when we were in the uh, engine rebuild class, like we, he got into a heated debate about this, and where he just complained about people coming into his shop with burnt-out transmissions in the winter. Because they were just one tire fire up a hill <laughs> in the snow. I'm surprised that no, any of those cars made it up that high uh, with one tire. I mean, they drove it into the damn shop. So, <laughs> good point. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> but the one big thing with uh, 
winter maintenance like if you're coming in to the car world you're starting to drive and you want to start taking care of your car by yourself because mate let, let's be honest nowadays especially nowadays taking your car to the shop is unbelievably stupidly expensive if you go like, to a dealership even if you don't go to a dealership, like well, Rip and Rip, like me, and you have an independent that you could trust, yeah. then it's different. But not a lot of people have that, or not a lot yeah. of people that are into cars really have the courage to just walk into an independent shop and be like, yeah. "Hey," and then try to build relationships and get cheaper prices and stuff. Yeah. So I like if I go to Rip and Rides, it's like I think ninety dollars an hour for me, and yeah. that's pretty cheap around 180... here. Yeah, there like Ford was like nearly two hundred. I mean, it's better than my 280 an hour. Yeah, yeah. Hawthorne is 280 an hour. Like, I mean, classic Audi the... before they closed down, it was 144, which was stupid low at the time. Yeah. So, like, my point is knowing how to maintain your own vehicles, especially coming into winter in the Northeast or just the mid uh, Midwest up north. Yeah. Canada, wherever, wherever it gets cold and snowy and salty and all that crap, it is always good to know how to maintain your car. The Even one thing that these, uh, well, go ahead. Uh, the one thing that I like to do is that if it ever snows and I know that the salt's being put on the road, I wait until I think three, four days after the salt's been applied to the road. And if it doesn't snow again, I go get my car washed with an underbelly wash. Yeah. to prevent even more rust because regardless what you do if you're driving a 10 year old car or 15 year old car there's going to be some sort of under your car even a brand rust. new car you don't really want that salt to sit on it for too yeah. long even even just your paint i've heard it could if it, if the salt is aggressive enough it could chew through your clear coat and shit like or just wear down your clear coat but yeah i mean like the biggest thing with like winter maintenance and stuff is you want to get all this shit like if you know you need tires brakes headlights fog lights wipers you want to do all this shit before the winter yeah, yeah. Don't so wait like until it's winter time and snowing and then you gotta get to work and you have like no tires best thing to do yeah. is do it before or like in the fall and just be ready it, for it yeah it's for not, like, it's like not right just now. maintenance yeah it's it's preventative maintenance mm -hmm. as well. Yes, like, yeah. I get it. Not everyone has the money to do preventative maintenance, but every little bit counts Yeah, in the long run. And yeah, in the long run, because it's like better to just get it done in the fall when, you know, say your tires are hanging on, but you really should replace them, you know, yeah, for I mean, the winter. And if it's also your main and your only, only means of transportation mm -hmm. please take care of your car because not only are you taking care of your car your life you're also watching out for the people that are also on the road with you yeah, yeah. and like right now right before it gets super cold and snowy is the perfect time to like work on your car like like i was saying you can't always take it to the shop like you can check your coolant by yourself you can check your oil by yourself. You can check your washer fluid. You can check all these smaller things. You can check your tire th uh, tread, all of it, before it comes to wait in, uh, to uh, winter time. And yeah. that is part of the winter uh, preventative maintenance or pre preventative maintenance in general. Because even in the summer, I see these cars with these bald tires, bald winter tires, mind you, with bubbles and all that. That sounds familiar. <laughs> 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 and 
like you may have tread on the tires or you may have uh, so what you think are reliable tires but if you take a look at your tires they may be bubbled you can only see a bubble they're smaller they can be on the inside you won't always be able to get under you got to check every like possible thing especially oh god especially brakes people like oh they 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 see the brake uh rotor and like oh it looks fine and don't know what the fuck they're talking about yeah there are very easy indicators uh how to check your brakes uh one the, the, these are the two that i look for the first or, and sorry, easiest sorry. one is noise well, I'll, in that case, I'll add that to mine. The four that I look for are if you have your car, if you just drove your car, don't do this. This is when you like wake up in the morning or you haven't driven in like six hours or something or longer period of time. Just take your nail and run it along the rotor. See if it's ridged. Like, see if the, it's like, uh, what's the word? Or even if it has a lip on the edge and all that. Yeah, that too. If it's like there's a lot of ridges on the actual face of the rotor itself. Mm-hmm. And the next one is noise. The next yeah. one after that is if your brake pedal feels squishier than you remember it. You want your mm-hmm. brake pedal not to be squishy. You want it to be somewhat solid, but you still be able to, you know, use the brake pedal as it should be intended. And yeah. the last one, it's a little bit more difficult. You'd have to have a jack. And for safety measures, a jack stand. And if you don't have a jack stand, what I had to do when I didn't have a jack stand, I took the tire that I was taking off, put it underneath the car right next to the jack, and that would be like where the car would land if the jack failed. I'd still have the jack under there. Okay, sucks for your car because you can't even use jack stands. Yeah. Well, like, so for the people that aren't technically inclined as Marcus is, Okay. Don't do any of this if you or don't not feel Marcus, comfortable like, doing yes. it. Correct. Correct. Not correct. as technically inclined as a regular enthusiast, I guess. Yes. If you if you don't feel comfortable with it, don't do it. Ask yeah. one of your buddies that might know a little bit more. Just if you're not comfortable with it, don't do it. If you want to learn, go ahead. Ask one of your friends to spot you, just to be sure that you're being safe. Now, uh, after you take your tire off. The one thing you want to look at, if you can, is if you have um, calipers and not drums. And we'll get into that, what the difference is in a little bit. Mm-hmm. The calipers, if you have a normal like rake rotors and calipers, you want to look to see if you can see the like. There's like these little shims, I guess there are, that you can check the brake pad life left with. Or if you don't have that, don't have access to buying that. You can also see the thickness and use a tape measure. Everyone has a damn tape measure. There's there's thresholds for per vehicle. You can look them out online, and then you can see how much you have left. And if you don't have a whole bunch, change your damn brakes. <laughs> that is the one thing besides the steering that will save your life in any incident. Brakes are more important than gas. I mean, but like, what's even more important than brakes? Eh, it goes back to the old saying: a car is only as good as its as its tires. Yes. So you could have excellent or like brand new brake pads and rotors, full system basically, and have ball tires, and those brakes will be useless. Yes, that is correct. Especially in the rain, snow, or just any fall winter conditions. 
even in the summer too. I've I've seen I've seen old cars with, with like no ABS with ball tires just slide into the back of a bus, an MTA bus. It, yeah. It's also good to know what system you have, like what. Uh, if you have calipers and rotors versus drums, or like if you have ABS, also whether you have front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, or all wheel drive, or four wheel drive, there's a difference between all of those. Yeah, kind of like what he was saying about uh, it doesn't matter how good your everything else is if the tires don't work. Uh, I have a story about that. I had a forerunner named Bertha. <laughs> little oh, did i know that this cinder block that i called a truck uh was a front wheel drive truck it is well it was four by it was four by four yeah it's not a wheel drive it was four by four it was a four by four truck with uh pretty much bald tires and it had just barely snowed and I was entering the dealership at about, say, 10 miles an hour. I literally could not be going more than 10 miles an hour. I go to press the brakes because you have to make a pretty abrupt turn. And I eat a guardrail. It's if like it a 90 degree guardrail, turn at the bottom of the hill, basically. It wasn't even at the bottom of the hill that I, that I started slipping. It was at the oh, very Jesus. top. So if that guardrail wouldn't have supported Bertha's big ass cinder block self, I would have fell about 15 feet onto another car. Yeah. Oh, geez. So when I say take care of your stuff and try and do preventative maintenance, I mean it for a reason. There's also the thing with like people being overconfident Mm -hmm. in their car in the winter and shit. Because like, let's say like, for example, you have Audi Quattro or Subaru symmetric asymmetric all-wheel drive. All-wheel drive, yeah. Great, you have all-wheel drive, but that doesn't make that you doesn't invincible. Doesn't matter if your tires are shit, if your brakes are shit. <laughs> even yeah. with or, or like even with brand new tires and brakes, your car can only stop as well as the tire will let it. Yeah, because you because can pick up, turn, yeah. accelerate, brake normally, but if you're sliding in the snow, you're at the mercy of your tires. Yeah, basically. pretty much. And if you and, have the skill to just... counter steer. And it's not now, just snow. Keep in mind that this can also happen in heavy rain. Yeah, oh, yeah I've seen it. Even like, you can yeah, I've seen it happen. Hydroplane, hydroplane not just yep. slip in the snow. You can yeah. hydroplane in the in the water. So yeah. On I know that not everyone's a pro rally driver, but <laughs> yeah. keep in, keep that in mind. So on the uh, speaking of tire maintenance, if you want a quick and easy way to check how well your tire is, how like the life of the tire, it's super simple. All you need is a penny. This is your steps. Yeah. If you're listening, listen close. First thing you want to do, take your penny, place your penny into the tread groove upside down. So like the top of Lincoln's head will be facing the tire. Now, if you can see the top of the uh, Lincoln's head, your tire tread is shallow. That means you need to replace it. If you can, if it goes past his head, then You'll be fine for a little bit. And if it's like past his forehead, your tire is great. You don't have to really worry about it. And you want to check around the tire so you don't have like any flat spots because there's also possibility of flat spots. Like if you had to slam on the brakes and you're and you don't have a car with ABS, 
then there will be a, a like flat spot on the tire on the tread where if you had to slam on the brakes it like you skidded a little bit so what that might be a flat spot so you can also you always check that you can also tell if you have a flat spot by the rumbling in your steering wheel or the car in general yeah one not thing even, might not even the whole penny method you could also just feel in the grooves of mm-hmm. the of the tire because every tire has a wear Nowadays. bar built in yeah they have a wear bar and basically if the the main surface of your tire is anywhere close to that wear bar you should probably replace it pretty soon yes the only yeah. tire i haven't seen like the only modern tire i haven't seen a wear bar on is the Michelin Cross Climate 2. They're the those kind of V-groove tires. I have them on my Highlander. They don't have wear bars. So it's interesting. But yeah, you could feel for wear bars if it's getting close. Probably replace your tires. I mean, the most important thing is if you see metal. If you see metal, tire, you have some serious life decisions to think about. Yeah, at that point, <laughs> you're long past your overdue. I have no idea how you're still on this earth. Go get, go to your nearest whatever and get that replaced. Yeah. Yes. I have. Have like, you guys ever gone down to the metal? No, not no, once. I've, I've only ever gone down to the metal once on my S4, but that wasn't because of like normal tire wear. That's because a control arm was shot, and I had a little bit of, I think, toe in or toe out, so it was just mm-hmm. rubbing okay. on that one side. But that, once I noticed it, I ordered yeah. new wheels and tires and got it taken care of as soon as possible. So yeah. So that brings uh, us to another point: is alignment as well. Alignment you can have the best tires in the world. You can get brand new set of tires, but alignment you can shorten your life of your tires drastically. And yeah. like, it won't be all of them all the time. It'll it might be just the one. Um, another thing that can drastically uh, shorten the life of your tires are potholes. Yep. You have really low sidewalls, like really thin sidewalls. Avoid potholes like the plague. Take this from me saying this, and take this from Lewis's experiences. But how many tires have you gone through, Lewis? I can't even count. I forgot. I, <laughs> I, I mean, counting after all eleven. Corners. I stopped counting after eleven. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so, I understand. That you know, with the performance car and all that, twenty-inch rims are cool, or even twenty-one on Marcus's car. But if you live anywhere in like the East Coast, it's not made for that. Listen, <laughs> my car in the East Coast. Anything with the coast with high area. Salt. My like, Michigan car too. just hated me. My yeah. car just hated me. I looked at it. I looked at the tire sideways, and it just a bubble popped up. No, but you look at anybody with your car in particular. Like <laughs> I know another guy, same exact spec. S5 is your same color, but it's just the facelift. And I was talking to him the other day when we actually bumped into him when we were on the hunt to find a tire for Marcus. And he was like, yeah, I blew out all four corners like multiple times this year. That's another thing. The Quattro is a great system, but it doesn't help when you eat a pothole because it tries to compensate and ends up ripping your tire even more than it normally would. Yes. And I feel like that's kind of the reason why my tire didn't fully seal. Part of, uh, on top of you know my uh, the fix the flat bullshit that was expired, I drove maybe like two hundred feet with the flat tire he because drove, I had, I okay, was okay. We were on the west side of the highway in Manhattan. He you were on tenth. No, we I, it was, I was on ninth. You were on eighth or ninth, and we drove. Yeah, we drove one block, 
up, no problems. And then the next block came, and he threw on his hazards. I was behind him. I was like, oh shit, there goes the tire again, probably. So yeah, that was a that was a nightmare. Also, if you have AAA, don't use the app. Just call them. Yes, please. Don't we, wait like we, we use, did. We used the AAA app, and he called. Well, he he entered the request at like what twelve or eleven thirty, eleven fifty or something. And so we didn't get um, any I'm, updates I'm until two fifty. So I'm I put the request in at what was it? Eleven fifty. Eleven forty-seven. Yeah. We did not get anything. Like they told us, they said, "Oh yeah, we they'll still be in Brooklyn there. dropping off her friend when you put the yes. request in." Yes. Yeah. Uh so what happened was they said, "Oh yeah, we'll be there in two hours." And Which it was, was no, like it was eleven fifty-one. It was eleven fifty-one when I did it, and then yeah, that's normal. Yeah. And I ran to two hours, came around. It was two fifty-one. Not a single bit of notification. I waited like five minutes before I got anything, like, to see if I got anything. Maybe they're a little late, so what? It's stupid early. Well, you're talking about... Because they did give yeah. us, like, a ETA yeah. countdown so I wanted, on yeah. the app. Yeah, so I wanted to give them a couple of minutes to give them the benefit of the doubt, nothing. And then I called them, and we were on hold for another half hour, so by the time, like, we actually got notification that somebody was coming, it was already, like, 3.30, 3.45. Yeah. And the guy didn't show up until like five fifteen, four fifteen, and we weren't done until like the we five thirty. We left Manhattan. Well, we started. Your car was on the truck at four twenty. We got yeah. home to my house in the Bronx at like five five ten ish. Because you sent me the there. video after we were already laying down of the car being towed at five thirty. Yeah. So, like, around 5 o'clock. So, we basically waited 5 hours for a tow. Yep. Now, I love AAA. It's very useful, and it I recommend it. Useful. I recommend everyone that I... Uh, if you can spare, like, the 13 extra dollars a month or $100 a year, buy it. Just get AAA. Get that membership. Save yourself a headache and a stupidly expensive towing bill. Because... Yeah. I can give you an example. I had a really bizarre once in whatever thing happen to my focus. I was driving along. I had the AC on. And because this motor has a separate AC belt. Um, excuse me. The belt. Ha I, I had replaced it like two years prior. And I, I learned after the fact that it should be replaced yearly. I didn't know because it wasn't something I was never I wasn't aware of, so preventative maintenance. The belt snapped and it started whipping around inside the engine compartment and it completely fried the and uh, the engine computer ECU, the ECU. It's a it completely fried the computer that the, provided the belt basically clapped the ECU. And, yeah. Yeah. It shorted a cable. A single cable shorted the entirety of the computer for the car. And I was stuck. Two hours from home in New Jersey, and it was, it was getting close. It was getting late. So what happened was, I didn't have AAA at the time. I had to get a call a tow truck, and to get home, it was another six hundred eighty dollars. Yep. If I had AAA, the thirteen dollars a month, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have to have paid anything. Yep. Besides, you know, the thirteen dollars a month. And we both have the. Uh, so there's like multiple tiers to AAA. There's a standard. There's gold. And I think you and me, we both have the premier one. Yes, we Which have is like 200 miles of range or something before you have to pay. Yes. 
Oh, yeah. Touching back on what he was saying about preventative maintenance and not knowing he had to change it uh, on a yearly basis, that belt. <clears throat> in your owner's manual, it will state mm-hmm. the maintenance interval of everything you need in your car. Yep. Like the if transmission fluid, oil, have, all that. Exactly. If you don't have an owner's manual, say you have a pre-owned car or anything like that. Or you, you misplaced be, it or just anything you don't have. Exactly. You can just Google your owner's manual and get all that information back. Yep. And if not uh, that, sometimes the forums are your best friend too. Exactly. Yep. Forums or, are your best friend. If anything, you can go to your nearest dealership. It will not be the cheapest option. I can guarantee that. But it's also depending it is, on the brand. Exactly. But I can guarantee 100% wholeheartedly that. The owner's manual is your best friend when it comes to taking care of your vehicle. Yeah. I mean, you, you yes. didn't even have to buy the owner's manual from the dealership. You could just ask them to print out like exactly. a service interval for whatever you need. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That works yeah. as well. Yep. Just but, like um, Lewis did for my, for, since I have this, you know, I haven't, I recently got a new car. I have an Audi and now, and Lewis somewhat works on an Audi and he was able to get me the prints out for the air pressure, the PSI for the tires. So, because I didn't know what they were supposed to be at normally. And now I know because they printed it out for me and handed it to me when I got my tire changed. Mm-hmm. And the, it, it, so for PSI, it has it on the door, mm-hmm. but that is also that, that PSI doesn't work for every tire. You have to keep yeah. in mind that PSI label was created with the oem tires that the car originally came with from not everyone's gonna from the factory pretty much from the factory not everyone's gonna get the same tire time and time again because tires aren't necessarily the cheapest thing especially and if you tires, have a higher end car there's always a new tire like every year or two so exactly yes. um sometimes on the tire itself it will say the psi that it's max rated so, for yes you have to be careful with that even though it says the number or max or whatever do not inflate it yeah to the max because that is literally the max psi kpa bar that the tire could take yes and like if you hit a let's say you hit a pothole even if you don't have low pro uh, low pro tires you you can yeah if you have a regular car and you max it out and you hit a pothole at a good high enough speed it'll blow the tire out and a catastrophic blowout is honestly scary as shit yeah it can not only damage your uh, your your obviously your the the wheel. It can damage your brakes. You can damage the body. You can damage everything surrounding not that alone, tire. Not only like damaging the car, it could damage you. You could lose control yeah. of the car. Yeah. Yeah. So and I actually, if, if a tire blows out, you lose basically ninety nine percent control of the vehicle. Almost. Yeah, especially at a higher speed. Yeah, and highway speeds. Yeah. Older lady that came in within. With an A7 once. It was a C8, A7. C8. AC8. Yes. And it, it, this was when it, the C8 had just come out. Yeah, like what, two years ago or something? Yeah. Um, her front passenger tire had blown out. Like it was a catastrophic blow. When I say and it, it was drove catas- there. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how she managed to drive it there, but. She managed to drive it there. But when I say this tire was go- literally the sidewall of the tire was still on the rim, but the entire middle section was gone. Oh, that's happened to me once in my A4. Oh, but I like the so low pressure light came on. 
And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to drive to the next exit, go to a gas station, put some air in. I was on the Tappan Zee Bridge. This is when, well, the, whatever the new name for the Tappan Zee is before they made it like a two-sided bridge. The Cuomo? The, the, yeah, the Mario Cuomo Bridge or whatever. This is back when they were building it, and they only had the one side, and they just divided it in the middle. Yeah. Um, I think I was coming back from like Bear Mountain or something. I, I, and like I was driving like normal highway speeds. So I was like, light came on. If you know the the 87 going south, it's like a downhill before you get onto the bridge. So I was like, I could try to swap the tire, but I don't want to use a suicide jack on a hill like that. So my best bet was to just go to the next exit, which is across the bridge. And the bridge is like, what, like two miles long? So it was a pretty long bridge. Yeah. And I literally got maybe a quarter mile onto the bridge and I felt a bump. And I saw my tire leaving. It, my tire was going the opposite way. <laughs> so I just saw it going in the mirror. I'm like, you know, it kind of looks like my tire. And then I was like, oh, shit, I should probably pull over. And literally what you were saying with the A7, only the sidewalls of the tire was on the rim. The entire, the entire flat surface, the contact surface was just gone. It rolled down the highway. Well, unfortunately for this lady's case... That entire surface patch in the center of the tire had eaten the entire side of her car. Yikes. So it like, it started, I guess she was going fast enough where it just whipped around the wheel and ate the entire passenger side of the car. You could literally see the tread mark of the tire (laughs) on the door. Yeah, I got lucky when it happened to me. Somehow it just, I think it was what, the front? The yeah, front, I think it was the front the right. Driver's side front. No? And it yeah, no, I have pictures of it. Driver's side okay. front and the thing just popped right off. It didn't damage the car in any way, luckily, but that's very unlikely. I got lucky. And yeah. I was like, what do I do? I like called my dad to see if he could get AAA out. And then by the time he picked up, already had a highway patrol and one of those bridge service trucks that just pulled up. They were like, Where's your spare tire? Put on the spare tire and just left. Yeah. So thankfully I mean, for that, I, I didn't have to wait for two hours on Tavern Z with no shoulder. The tunnel <laughs> yeah. and bridge authority does not play when it comes to yeah, getting they, they you, had, you had a story with what, that RS5 or something? Oh yeah, I had to pick up an RS5 once from Brooklyn. And they had supposedly changed the battery. Yep. So on my way to, through... Oh, I, have I was going through one of the tunnels. I don't know what tunnel it was exactly. But... I was going through one of the tunnels and the tunnel from uh, Brooklyn into Manhattan, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I forgot the name of it, but I think whatever. it's like the UL Carry Tunnel or something. Yeah, it, it must have been the that. Battery Tunnel. Battery. If one it's the one at the most southern. It doesn't matter the name, but yeah. one of them. But basically, I had no idea. But at the time, if you went above four thousand RPM in an automatic car, the battery shut off. All power to the vehicle just died. So I literally have pictures of me stuck in the car. A trooper finally pulls up. In the tunnel. In the tunnel. Yeah, two-lane tunnel going one way. Exactly. And then the trooper pulls up. I tell him, oh, I just need a jump. He completely disregards me. And is like, okay, we have a tow truck coming. I'm like, I literally just need a jump and I can get out of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. The tow truck makes it through. 
he eats the like the little standing division poles, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely runs over them. With that <laughs> I mean, that's why they're made like that, just in case of the shit like that. He picks me up. Well, so in order for him to pick me up, I had to so put the, the car in neutral. Right. Yes. It oh, was. But you couldn't bed. put it in neutral. Be- oh. So shit. I couldn't put it in neutral because in RS5, pretty much everything is electronic at that point. Any any new. Yeah, any new car. Everything was pretty much electronic. So I couldn't open the doors. At least from the outside. I had to like fully release them from the inside. Mm-hmm. But in order to put the car in neutral, you have to have a special red like key that is uh, in the trunk. So since I have no power, I can't open the trunk because it's a power tailgate. Yep. I had to, from within the car, drop the rear seats and then military crawl my way through yep. to the back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've had oh, to do that use the times. emergency release latch to forcefully open the trunk and then get that little red Allen key. Um, and then where the cup holder is underneath that is a special hatch where you can open it. And then did you know all the... of this at the time or luckily? Yes. Cause I was okay. the only one that actually cared about my job. Yeah. <laughs> the, te- the technicians had no idea when I made it back to the dealership, they had no idea that was a, how to actually do that. Mm-hmm. which is God. hilarious. I knew more than the technicians and the salespeople at the time. Luckily, because then I would have been stuck there. Because I think I did end up trying to call them, and they didn't know how to do it. So mm-hmm. I ended up just like, okay, I remember something, and I just did it. So I put it in neutral. He put me on the flatbed, and I have videos of as well as me in the car, on the flatbed, with the lights just blinding me as we're driving mm-hmm. out of the tunnel. <laughs> We get out of the tunnel and the guy's just like, oh, uh, it's like, it's fine. We'll get you, we'll get you a tow or AAA, whatever, like from the outside of the tunnel, we'll get you to wherever you need to go to. I'm like, I just need a jump start. So you were in Manhattan at the point where you got out the tunnel? Yes. Okay. When I got out of the tunnel, they literally dropped me off right in front of the tunnel, just out of the way. They just didn't want me in the way anymore. (laughs) I told the guy, I was like, I just need a jump. He was like. Okay, he jumped me. Everything works perfectly fine. And he's like, that's all you needed? I was like, yes, I told the trooper I just needed a jump. He's And he himself, he's just like... The tow truck driver. Yes, the tow truck driver. He's just like, these troopers are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> They're just dumb. Yeah. Um, so then the whole way back, I had like an- another 20 minutes to make it to the dealership. I had to stay on their 4,000 RPM. I had to use the Tiptronic, and I was just manually shifting to keep myself from going above 4K mm-hmm. the entire way back up to Hawthorne. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. God. Because as soon as I got to, I got to like 3,800 RPM, the, the dash would start flickering. I'm like, nope, nope. But it's time <laughs> to <laughs> upshift. That's <laughs> time to upshift. Yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, that, that was my journey into the <laughs> abyss of getting God. stuck. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, so just a note to take for the listeners off of that topic. Go to Harbor Freight, go to AutoZone, go to Advanced Auto, go to Pet Boys, go on Amazon. Get one of those little battery pack jumpstart things. You can yes. find them on Amazon for forty bucks. There's some pretty. Uh, they are so ones. incredibly useful. I've had yeah. one for four or five years now, and I've and he's never used charged it. it, and he's jump started my my project car every time. Yeah, I've, I, like it, it's last for. I, I I didn't never charge. I've definitely charged it a couple times. 
Yeah. Even if um, you can't afford it, at least get jumper cables. Yes, those jumper are cables. incredibly, incredibly. Sure. Well, the jumper cables. Useful. Well, also yes, you have get to jumper sure you cables. know how to use them <laughs> before yeah, you well, we fry your seen, battery. We all know that notorious video of those those girls melting their two cars together. Yes, but yeah, I oh mean, so jumper cables. They're kind of iffy on the price. Like for the price that you could get good jumper cables, you could just buy one of those battery packs. Because if you get the cheap ones, the wires get hot. So uh, the one thing you should that. know about jumper cables, and this is red goes to red, black goes to black. Not only that, but you want to get thick cables. If you get yes, thin cables, cables, they will not work and they will melt. Yeah, I've had a, cables are the way to go. I've had a cable start getting hot at me one time when the battery on the Highlander died. I'm like, yeah, I'm not using these. My dad, my dad was like, just use them. I'm like, no, I'm not risking there, a brand new car like this. <laughs> there also is a brand new type of battery. It was released probably like a year or so ago. Anti gravity batteries made it. Mm. I don't know. It's a battery really that has a built-in jump yes. start function. Any gravity batteries made those? Yeah, they are like so. Normally, for those who don't know, batteries are stupid heavy for whatever reason. But especially for somehow, Audi batteries. especially yeah, especially Audi batteries, or just German batteries. But yeah, any anti-gravity batteries make the same size, but they make it like extremely compact, ninety percent lighter. Yes. Somehow, I don't know how they do it, but it's the same exact battery with even better like specs, but lighter. I don't know how they do it. I want to know. I don't think they're going to share it, but well, the battery weight is one thing. I think just yeah. the, the coolest feature is that. So how does built the whole jump, jump start? Function. Yeah, how does that work? So basically, so it's like a little power reserve. Kind of like what we have with those like jump packs. Well, and it'll and just defib its, itself. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, oh, it defibs yeah. itself. Hmm. It, it literally it, like, reserves just enough power to keep that jump start function. So even if mm -hmm. your battery dies, you just press the button and it'll defib itself back yes. to running. And the button's directly on the battery. That's pretty smart, and I feel like regular companies should just start adapting that technology. Yes, I agree. A little reserve, especially because Audi batteries are so massive, we could afford to have. A little <laughs> bit of a reserve in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, um. Another thing that you can always do: oil changes. Oil changes. Oil changes can be done in a garage. They can be done in a driveway. They can be done on the side of a street. Mm -hmm. I've done it in all. Yep. And I will continue to do it in all because YouTube doing... is your best friend. Oh my god! Literally. You can you can literally find anything on YouTube these days, and they make it but so easy for like these please, European cars nowadays. YouTube or WikiHow to do yes. an oil change. No, but these Euro cars, you, like most of them, you don't even have to put it on ramps and drain it anymore. You could just get one of those little siphon pumps and pump it out. Yeah. I know, like but I think Mercedes. In dealerships, is recommended to do that, even in Audi yes. now, too. Yeah, Audi, too. Audi yep. um, the one thing that I am peeved by is these mileage uh, recommendations on the oil containers. Oh, yeah. Do not follow miles. them. 10,000 miles. Synthetic is rated for 10,000 or higher, or whatever. Um, I heard that, I don't know if it was Audi or Subaru. No, definitely not Subaru. Um, I heard it was some company, but they're pushing to do a 15,000 mile service interval now for oil changes oh god that's definitely not audi audi does ten thousand 
intervals yeah. even though you should do your own like if you're a real car enthusiast and you want to really per, like give the most longevity to your vehicle do your mileage a lot sooner yeah especially if you have uh, every 5k but, miles yeah. but if you have a modern day car it also hasn't uh, most of them have reminders to let you know you're coming up on your that's own the thing. like everybody but ignores it that's the problem not only do people ignore it the i i learned that um when i took my car to get my oil changed like my st nobody really reset the reminder no yeah nobody so, ever, like whenever yeah. i take the highlander to toyota regardless if i go to you know close to me in the bronx if i go to new rochelle anywhere they never reset the reminder yeah but like it's... you know you should be able to do that yourself as long as you get the oil change done yeah yes the reminder isn't the biggest thing just make sure you reset it when you do it yeah, or, or keep some track of when you did it so that yeah. you can know when your next one is due. Mm-hmm. I even, um, so I mean, like, if you have a normal car, sure, you could push it to 10k. Should you? Mm, that's debatable, no, but don't. if you have a sporty car or if you just drive like you have Every a sports three car, to five thousand miles, three to five thousand miles, I would say five thousand max. I even, um, on my A4 and my S4, I had my mechanic go into the because he has the full audi computer so i had him go into the computer and actually program the interval to say five thousand instead of ten thousand mm-hmm. so it pops up every five now instead of ten and i just have to guess when the five is but yeah um yeah i mean those are the some of the biggest things that all right whether you have a modern day car or not all cars have a dashboard light lighting system. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> if you see a check engine light, just <laughs> get it looked at, please. <laughs> AutoZone and Advanced Auto and Pet Boys, they all do it for free. You can get for that free. code check. Yep. Yes. Um what's it called? There please don't have a Christmas tree. And by that, I mean, have every (laughs) single light on on the dash and do nothing about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those lights are there for a reason. It's not the car isn't trying to scam you, whether your local mechanic or a dealership might try and, you know, make some extra cash off you. Your car isn't going to do that. It's just trying to tell you something is wrong and you should get it looked at as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And like the whole thing, because a lot of people, a lot of people have like crazy anxiety going into dealerships or like independent shops or just even autos i feel like that's it's a lot yeah which is it's completely understandable and i feel like it's completely it's definitely targeted more towards women considering oh yeah it definitely is it's the there's a lot of stereotypes it's, yeah it's, it's, yeah there's a stereotype and then it's just assumed that they know less so people tend to take it mechanics or shops tend to take advantage of them yeah and it it's, it's just like that car culture it's yeah. People in the people in the car business expect certain things, and it's like you you can expect in the service department that they're either going to try and take your money, or that even when you're buying a car, people expect mm-hmm. that when you go into a dealership, oh, I can negotiate five thousand dollars off a car. Yeah. That's not always the case. Yes, you can probably haggle a little bit because no, but like modern know, day, like it, you should be kind of getting rid of negotiating and all that shit too. So like, sure if you get a couple slightly. hundred, 
off. Yeah. I, I think when I bought my A4 back in 2017, I knocked off maybe two grand. Um, my S4, I knocked off a few hundred. Yeah. If we're going like way back to 2015 when my dad bought his Highlander, uh, uh, the sticker was 51 and we got it down to 42. And at the time, it was the lowest Kelly Blue Book price on their app. So, but like the days of negotiating, negotiating is is almost long gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, price you see is almost the price you pay now. I mean that that's also mostly due to like Tesla and disrupting the car. Yeah, market. exactly. Tesla they, kinda... like what what you build is how you get, and that's what you're paying. So, yep. Yeah. Which, but like I like that in a way, you know. Yeah, I do. I do like that just because it alleviates. Like, because there's no like arguments or like going back and forth or like discomfort in the car buying process and shit like that. I mean, there there is a lot to it as well. When yeah, no, there definitely is. Like, there's a lot in the back end. As someone that sold cars, there's a lot on the back end that people don't see, which is why prices can fluctuate. Mm-hmm. So, when a customer goes to buy a car, or not just buy a car, but when they someone orders a car, yeah, like spec it out themselves. Exactly. When someone orders a car, it takes somewhere anywhere from it could be six months to a year to more. Yeah, I think it was six brand. months when we ordered the Highlander. I'm pretty sure. Exactly. When you order a vehicle, every on a month to month basis, it changes in terms of incentives and programs that go into the car leasing or financing process. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you if you ordered a car a year ago, trust it, within those 12 months, the the financing and leasing promotions and all that stuff have fluctuated. God knows how much. But just because it's cheaper or more expensive doesn't mean that the dealership is necessarily in charge of. And I feel like that's kind of out of control of the dealership in a way. Exactly. They have to follow the manufacturer's promotions because at the end of the day, yeah. they're holding. They're, they're, the dealership they're just the face of what's going on in the background. Exactly. The dealership buys these cars. Technically, the dealership is buying the cars ahead of time and then you're buying it off of them. They're in the business of yeah. selling cars, not holding them. Yeah, yeah so pretty much. On a, and the brand is really what's in charge of how you purchase and finance or lease the car. So that changes on a month-to-month basis. Yes, you can try and negotiate, but there's only so much that can be done. And also, on speaking on the whole negotiating thing, there is no negotiating you know, service prices at dealerships. Don't even try. You're I've just going to make that dealership people. hate you even more. Yeah. Or you're just going to turn into, quote unquote, that customer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or in other words, Kyle or, no, sorry, Ken or Karen. Ken or Karen. So I have yeah. seen this more often at four dealerships than anywhere else. Uh, there was this one guy I was waiting to, while well, I was waiting to get a quick service done for my car because I had a wiper motor miscalibration that I couldn't fix myself. Mm hmm. And this guy was beyond pissed that he brought his car in and he had to wait, even though he had an appointment, because the parts weren't in. This is when like there was massive, massive chip shortage. Like there's nothing you can do about it at that point. Yeah. And he was just yelling at these customer service reps. This is pretty recently then. This is like last end of 2020. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like he was beyond pissed that he had to wait an extra little bit longer because they had to wait on parts. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not really your fault 
like their fault for uh doing that it's it's out of the control of the dealership yeah yeah um i mean at the end of the day if you do end up going to a dealership it's not only about the service advisor building rapport with you you should try building it with them maybe they can help you out i mean there's a lot of cases in which the dealership can help you yeah not always just trying to get your money for example um when my s4 my S4 was still under dealer warranty in, I believe, 2019 when this issue popped up, but it was drinking oil. The 3.0 supercharged motor was not notorious for that, but my car just ended up drinking oil. So at the time, this is when Classic Audi existed. This guy named Joe, and he was like, all right, listen, just take your car on a trip, drive it, drive it, not as hard as you can, but just really put some miles on it and drive it. So I drove out to Marcus and PA. And I drove back, and sure enough, the oil level was down. And I brought it back, and he's like, we're going to help you out. We're going to do everything we can and go even a step further. And so that's how like, you start building a relationship with, with your service advisor at, at dealerships, and that's how you start feeling more comfortable in a dealership and stuff like that. Yeah. And like so Classic Audi shut down, and now I saw him working at Audi Hawthorne, so... I have no anxiety going into this dealership and like setting up an appointment with him now. Yeah. And I feel the same way about Audi, yeah. Haw- uh, about, uh, Audi Hawthorne because yeah, Lewis text and everything. And yeah, because it's a great team yeah. over there. And I feel the same way about my dealership nearby, uh, Audi Mechanicsburg, because when my issue with the motor came to fruition, like everything happened when it did, like I sent my car with AAA without me to that dealership and they just handled everything they managed to negotiate with the warranty company to get my motor replaced they added on like the starter when it wasn't like since i burnt i burnt out the starter because i was trying to start the car they added that on to the bill and now they're going to be providing if they provided a one year twelve thousand mile warranty on this motor that they replaced and they all did all this with complete transparency. Yes, I asked a lot of questions, but they did it complete transparency. They let me see the car while it was being worked on. They let me see the motor when it came in. They yeah. were just always They didn't keep talking. you in the dark. Exactly. About it, really. Yeah. And like when the first car first got there, they brought me into the shop. They showed me, hey, yeah, this is the damage. This is where it needs what needs to happen. And this is why and basically this is why it happened. And the, the transparency is amazing and I love it and I feel like building that relationship can also help you with uh, like maintenance like it did with uh, my car at a Hawthorne when I had to get that tire replaced they took my um, since I have a wheel and tire package they took my wheel and tire package claim and they honored it even though the oil place that provides the wheel and tire package didn't really provide as much money as that should have really been there but yeah like not a not only like building relationships and stuff like that at dealerships if you find it independent like i do with my my friend christian at uh what's his shop's name so you call him your friend you don't call him your uh, yeah like it's not it's not just my tech or because i used to call him my tech back in the day but this is now my friend whenever Autobahn Motors in New Rochelle. So 
I feel comfortable bringing my cars there more comfortable than I do at a dealership even. And he'll be like, when he was rebuilding uh, one of my cars, he was like, uh, yeah, you could come swing by, watch the process and all that. And whenever he would get a customer with a similar build to my car, he'd be like, come in and just feel this thing out. We just put a new turbo on and all like that. So if you really build a relationship with somebody at Independent, you start to feel better about just going there and being there and having your car there. Yeah, definitely. Yep. So it's, it's just about... It, it, it's it's not the easiest thing to find someone you can trust to work on your vehicle and do it for an affordable and reasonable price. But it is something you have to try at some point. Because once you build it, that is a bond that is going to last a lifetime. Yeah, however Christian has been many vehicles you're going to get throughout your life. Christian has been working on all the vehicles in our family, starting with my A4 in 2016. It's now 2022, and he's done countless jobs on my S4 where he just doesn't even open a warranty claim. Sometimes he's just like, "All right, we'll swap it out. No, 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 pay for you because we've done it so many times. It's like I owe you at this point." And like I help him out, I tip him and all that. You just build that yeah. bond with your your buddy at that point, not even your your tech or your service advisor. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 really great to have stuff like that. Yeah, basically, like long story short, check your vehicle. Don't just get in and drive like you normally do. Be mindful of what your car does while you're driving as well. Because yeah. there are subtle things that Pay your car can do, to, like noises, how it feels mm-hmm. on the road. Uh, the, that is one pulls. thing my uncle taught me from a young age. He is very—I don't want to say paranoid, but very attentive. Whenever he hears something out, he's of aware. Him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he he always taught me if you hear something that doesn't sound like it normally would or it should it's best to take care of it early before it turns into a bigger problem. Yes, that's a very good point. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. We really hope that we brought new information or a new light to your life in the car scene. Our goal for this episode was to genuinely make a difference for the better. We plan on keeping our push on social media so we can hear your take on all of this as well. Our next episode will be Muscle vs. Euro, releasing on November 17th. Catch you guys then.